This is what got you there. If you're seeking to learn what makes brilliant people brilliant, this podcast is for you. Success researchers Tushar and I look into the tools and tactics of highly successful people. Find yourself a mentor as we discuss cognitive abilities, health and fitness, and talk about the pursuit of happiness. Tune in for more. Hey guys, so welcome to the first episode. Today we have two award-winning public speakers as our guests. In this podcast, we will break down what makes a person a good communicator, whether one is born with the skill or can it be mastered over a period of time. The art of learning is talked about and the unlimited possibilities of the human mind. Topics include neuroplasticity, how to use the brain effectively, and brain hacks. Learn the meaning of productivity and the secret behind the phrase practice makes perfect. Why communication? Why do you feel that being able to articulate your thoughts into ideas uh, requires teaching? Um, I feel like it might not require teaching, but the fact that you were able to say articulate your thoughts and ideas itself is shows you why you require it. Uh, we went to college. Um, we had experiences where we felt like we were a bit of an outlier, meaning that we had an advantage over other people because of the simple fact that we could speak. Like I had friends who used to write code, who used to build robots, who used to we could debug like millions lines of code, and then they go to a job interview and they ask them about themselves and they won't be able to say anything and they won't get the job. And I won't know any of those things, but I'd still be able to sail through because of the fact that I could speak. So I realized the fact that. uh you can communicate well is an extremely important aspect of your life in professional as well as personal capacities meaning that when you get in the workforce the fact that you can speak to somebody and articulate your ideas becomes a cornerstone of your success and if you actually went out and you did some research you'd find out that people say according to Harvard business review 83% of your financial success depends on your ability to speak and communicate because at the end of the day you're meeting people regardless of what profession you're in and so if you're meeting people all the time you better be able to speak to them which is why we thought that communication should be a cornerstone yeah and like like sadat was saying this is kind of an important aspect in every part of your life right like and, and that's why we're starting with students and not uh, not just college students but rather right from the younger age because uh, if you're a student and your interaction with your teacher that's going to change your interaction with your parents is going to change and then uh, the way when you go on into college once again the way you develop a friend circle the kind of friend circle you develop and then when you go for interviews that there there you really start to find a huge difference right people who uh, have great solid communication skills versus people who don't they really you can find that's uh, there that's one of the huge distinction uh, that is made over there and then once you are into the workforce again you're going to see that communication is going to uh be the thing that uh takes your ideas forward and spreads the word and also makes a difference yeah and also feel like because um, as human beings we are social animals if you're able to speak and people listen your confidence automatically rises so even if you're not making sense sometimes if you could just speak and people are uh listening to you because of by virtue of the fact that you speak well then your confidence will rise and then you start doing more things because you feel more confident we have seen that with kids like if you notice if you ask a kid who who is your role model or who you look up to or anybody actually you ask anybody they'll always name people who unless it's like sports specific 
interesting when they say Ronaldo or Messi. But if it was a general person, you would always name people who can hold an audience. Like they'd say Steve Jobs, they'd say uh, Bill Gates. And these people have worked on their skill to be able to speak to people. And it comes with like charisma is built with the fact that you can speak. And so that's why communication is really important. And we wanted to teach it because... There are so many skills and, and like you said, tips and tricks that exist out there, but it have never been discussed in school or in classrooms because we don't think it's important enough. But they are so important and you can learn it. Like some people believe that if you're born a communicator, nobody's born anything. Like that's something we teach in our classrooms that you can build and grow into whatever individual you want to become. And an individual who can speak well is something that you develop over a period of time through practice and by incorporating the tips and tricks that you figure out either by yourself or somebody tells you and if somebody tells you that makes it easier and of course this is uh, like he said it, it goes back to uh, the way we are as people so since we are people there is there's this our psychology which comes into play right like i'm sure that you're familiar vikram the fact that you keep smiling sometimes even in situations where you're in trouble and there are people who get annoyed <laughs> by that that's psychology right that's your facial expression coming into play and your and your teacher uh, feeling like oh their psychology comes kicks in and, and they say oh no this person's mocking me even though you're not Right, and that's like your personal experience. Similarly, we all have our personal experiences, and if we knew what to do at that point of time, right, that's 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 conscious, effective communication. At that point of time, I'm not looking to annoy the teacher. I'm not looking to communicate something in specific. But if I know this is what I'm trying to communicate to you, this is how my hands need to be. These are the words, and this is how I can structure it. These are my facial expressions, and all of this comes together. That's communication, right? And uh, finally, I feel like. Um the world is moving towards, I mean, once the fourth industrial revolution hits and automation hits, the world will move, it already is, um, will move towards a place where human beings, their work is going to be so collaborative and so creative and filled with people around them where you need to work with people because you can't do this algorithmic work anymore because robots will take over that. So you need to be able to work with people and that involves being able to communicate. It's not just public speaking, it's communication. That means like Akash mentioned, one-on-one -on -one interactions with your boss, with your girlfriend, with your friend, those are micro interactions which are based in communication. That means the way you move your hand, the way your eyes go, the, the inflections in your voice, all uh, lend to certain ideas being got from you. Like he mentioned, you might be throwing off signals that you don't want to throw off and that completely throws off that person and you end up having a fight or the communication is completely lost. So that's what it's all about. So I'd like to take that particular point and drive it a little forward. The the point about where the world is headed, right, and why communication is important there. Like let's let's go back a few years and think about a time where we didn't have ATMs, right? There were people who used to do that job, the job of a of a teller, right, at a bank. And if you see, that was like a very algorithmic work, like Siddharth had mentioned, and and they had to you know keep doing work from nine to five. And and once you had ATMs, yes, jobs were displaced, right? And you you didn't need as many people in the banking sector as as you did. But now their jobs became more people oriented, right? So they had to deal with more people face to face. Where if that wasn't necessary, they go to an ATM, they withdraw the cash. But then when they came to a person at a bank, it was for a personal, they needed that personal attention. They needed that connection, right? So that's where your communication really kicks in. And that's where you see that now your communication skills are really going to, the importance of communication skills is really going to rise from this. How does Warhorse help you, the students here right. reach your goals? So... At Warhouse, what we do is we started off as a communication company, but then we have branched out to what we like to call an educational enterprise that helps you be the best version of yourself. 
by helping you speak better, think better and know more. Um, and transforming you into a learner, of course. Meaning that somebody who loves learning and knows how to learn because that itself is a skill. Being able to pick up an, a skill itself is a skill. Um, secondly, being able to speak better because like we mentioned for the past, I think 10 minutes, is it's really important to be able to communicate your ideas effectively. Then we go into how do you even get ideas and how do I build ideas and how do I ensure my ideas are good or can I critically evaluate my ideas that's where you get to thinking better which again is a skill being able to think is a skill and finally knowing more because if you have read more and you know more about the world history psychology various subjects then you have more of a pool to draw from when you speak which is why that's the approach we take with kids as well and so they come into a classroom where we initially we have a game we try to gamify the entire process where they come in and they practice speaking in uh, like situations that are part of the game and so they have to make speeches we teach them body language we teach them what works what doesn't we teach them how to write a speech how to um, build content for a speech um, how to structure it and from there we move into debating which is not necessarily um, competitive debating but more like structured thinking like how can I think about an idea how can I break down an idea what are the various mental models I can have to evaluate an idea for instance it's like mathematics if I have a plus b the whole square and I know what it what the what it leads to I'll be able to come up with the answer faster in the same way in debate if I know what a slippery slope is if I know what a, a best case worst case scenario analysis is then those mental models exist in my head so every time I see a topic or an idea I'm able to place them into those mental models and so I will get to ideas faster and get to better ideas and be critical about those ideas. So that's what we do with the kids with debating. And then finally, we end with like a uh, like a general lessons in liberal arts and critical thinking, which includes history, psychology, philosophy, ideas that they can draw from and learn from, which have been there throughout, which now are more relevant to them because we teach them in a way that they really enjoy it. And so when it all put together, they become a little more holistic individual overall. Right. So let me take that. That's so that that kind of gives you an overall about what Warhorse is in education as a whole, right? Like what we're trying to do in education as a whole. But to now to focus and zoom in on how we do it in communication in specific, I think you're quite interested in that. So in communication in specific, when we started off this program called Delta, which stands for Debate, Education, Liberal Arts, Thinking, and Analysis, that's the program that he was uh, talking about originally. In that, one of the most important things is the fact that the kids need to practice. Right? In the sense that when we thought about, did we, how did, how did, how did we become people who were able to speak, whether it was to a person or on, a, on stage, how did we become people who were able to debate? We didn't really have a formal education in it. So then how did we get it? So it, it, it all comes from practice. The fact that we had the opportunity and the exposure to events that were taking place in school, in college, extra like uh, events outside. And then once you get introduced to that side and it's exciting and it's fun and you start doing it and you pick up a knack for it right and uh, there's that feedback loop where you get better and better and that's where you start dipping your feet into the theoretical aspects of it and you said hey there's a whole field in public speaking and debate so now we took all of that and tried and rolled it up into this course right where we said okay so one thing that's absolutely necessary for kids is practice you know which is why one of our mottos is you learn do become Right? You learn what you need to do, you do it and you practice and that's the kind of person you become. Right? You want to be a public speaker, learn it, do public speaking and you become a public speaker. Right? So that's how classes are structured as well. Every class is going to have 
ideas that you know that will teach you what public speaking how to be a good public speaker but it will also have a lot of fun games and activities that we ourselves grew up playing or we watched on tv like you might be familiar with uh, whose line is it anyway right so all of these different kinds of uh, creative innovative games that are out there we bring them into our classes and we have our own improvisations and versions of them that helps these kids practice and really become better communicators themselves yeah, as well as the debaters they are taking akash like nailed it um it's it's exactly about that it's about doing right and the thing you'll also realize is people a lot of people assume that only certain people are born to be public speakers like they're born with the ability and they are the ones who can do it and i can't do it now that's a notion that they have not just in public speaking but across fields like only he can sing only he can dance and that's a notion that we yeah. throw out the window at warhouse because we know neuroplasticity we know growth mindset so we know you can learn anything human potential is infinite but in terms of public speaking the problem is in school if you have a batch of 300 they will pick five people right or they'll pick 10 people yeah. and the, after you pick those 10 people they've gone for the first competition who are you going to pick for your second competition the people who have gone for the first competition so the people who have already entered the system will keep getting trained bet- to get better and better and of course they're going to be so much better than the rest and that's why they're the ones who come out on top and become the leaders and become the cult sex and become like the people who influence once they go out in the real world and the ones who can speak that means there is like a two there's a number of 295 who didn't even get the opportunity and now is living with the belief that they can't do it which is why warhouse comes in and has wants to democratize the entire idea of being able to speak because we feel like everybody should get the opportunity so that you know you can do it and when everybody can speak then it's not just about speaking then it becomes about how good my ideas are how much i know and so it pulls the entire population up saying that hey just because you can speak you're not going to get away with things because now everybody can speak and so that's the plan we have because we realize we had that advantage and instead of being the people who just wrote the advantage we were like hey this is unfair i want to give that advantage to everybody else Yeah. And I, I I think he mentioned neuroplasticity and growth mindset right and especially for you and for the listeners as well who might be interested in what that is and you know to give a little background information on that that's kind of one of the first things that we do no matter what class we take right the first exposure that kids get to us is the the neuroplasticity it's called the power of the mind class and it's one of our most powerful classes right so we usually send sudant for that to deliver it in like a class where he gets like all hyped up and and it's really fun but it's also a really important concept to learn in the sense that um, the the growth mindset stems from the concept of neuroplasticity and what is neuroplasticity is basically the fact that your mind or your brain uh, has the ability to constantly shape and get better at what it does right that's what neuroplasticity is neuro of course relating to your neurons and all of that and your plasticity is moldability so neuroplasticity from that concept the fact that if you do something uh, even if you're not good at it right and you do something and you and this the also the concept of deliberate practice in the sense that you're paying attention to what you're doing and you're not just you know just doing it for the sake of doing it but if you do it with that mindful attention to it you will get better at it and once you have laid that belief as the foundation which is why we have that as the first, first class, class. Okay. yeah once you lay that foundation and you know there are kids because there are kids who will enter your class and say this is not for me right maybe the parents send them there or they come there and they're absolutely skeptical and we even have like activities that will prove to them that that they can break it right there's like a, i don't know if you're familiar with the cup song right so yeah it's the cup song is like the first second you 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 watch us do it you're like oh, hey how are you doing that and by the end of that class they learn how to do it and that goes and drives in the fact that you can learn to do anything right and you will get better at what you do and what you pay attention and doing so in neuroplasticity you break that down you form that foundation that the fact that every kid has the ability to learn because that's the 
uh, sort of the intrinsic model of the brain and on top of that is the growth mindset which is the concept that you can grow and you can become and and when you hit an obstacle you don't hit that obstacle and turn away but the fact that that obstacle is an opportunity right because now you've hit something that you that you've never hit before so it's a learning opportunity and you once you figure that out you're going to hit more obstacles and that's good unlike a fixed mindset in which you hit an obstacle and you're thinking oh my god this is not for me because i don't know the concept of neuroplasticity i don't know that if i do it i'll get better at it so this is not for me so i'm never going to try it again right so you that's what he meant also when he said that there are so many kids who are never going to get that opportunity because the the first kids who won and they got trained and they got better and better and everyone else is looking at them like this is who they are and this is who I am this is not for me yeah so right. growth mindset very simply put is just the belief and the understanding of the mindset that you have that everything can be grown meaning intelligence is not something you're born with it is something that you build um the ability to be logical is not something you're born with it's something you build uh, patience is not something you're born with it's something you build and all of this stems back to neuro stems to neuroplasticity because it breaks down so scientifically that neural connections are formed every time you do something how would i have a rebuttal a counter topic that i'm that i vote for what okay. would you guys so you're talking about a debate motion uh, yeah. and your there are two sides to any debate and there is one side that we all kind of i mean if it's something that we're familiar with we already have our opinions yeah. right and you're saying that if i was given the opposite side as in a competitive debate yeah. you would be you're you're likely to be and you're supposed to defend that motion and how do you go about it um it depends also on the type of debate okay because often in uh, some of the competitive debates that we go to there is usually like a little bit of prep time like 15 minutes or so but uh, there was this one particular debate that i read about where a bunch of uh, a team a debate team of prisoners had beat the harvard debate team right? and it's a very interesting case study in which they were given a motion which they didn't believe in all right and they didn't have access to internet and they didn't have access to a lot of the resources that the harvard team did so when i read that particular case i mean siddhant will go into how you do it in other cases but in this particular case what i understood from that was the kind of research that they did and and that's and and what actually what's the first step that you need to do here is that you need to step back right from yourself you need to distance yourself and say i'm not going to hold on to my beliefs because that's what debating at the end of the day is about it's about being a rational person it's about being logical and put putting forth logical arguments and not just saying hey this is what i believe in and you should believe it too that because that's the 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 core of the platform so you you first become become objective you use logic and reasoning and you research as much as possible and then you take that research and that's 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 how that particular team had done it but now so, so give you a little bit yeah so i feel like like i said before debating and thinking is a skill right so i can guarantee you that in ninth standard if i was asked to debate about the same motion as i would be asked to right now i'm a lot better because of practice nothing else it's again a skill so when you get a motion that you're not comfortable with you need to be trained enough to know what what are the various places i can look at first like that's what skill is meaning that when you get a motion most people just go blank right because first of all oh, oh my god i got something that i don't know about so i'm just freaking out so most people in prep time are just freaking out like for example if you ask a public speaker or even a debater 10 minutes before prep time or when prep time the board and what do you think about they'll say nothing because they're just blank going zamekela hijack cannot think of anything but if you get past that and you actually start analyzing you'll notice that every debate has sides to it obviously every debate has two sides i mean if if it's a like a good debate otherwise there's no point of debating truisms right uh, so if you're debating something that's actually debatable 
on the other side the side that you probably probably don't agree with uh well first you can write down the side that you know right and you write down what your arguments for the side you know are that means you know that these are the things i would say okay. and after that you look at okay how can i take this down like is there something wrong with this argument is there something that i can think of that breaks this down so at least you have like a map to counter right in fact like, i suggest let's take a debate right now yeah all right and let's see if, if you have a side that you and let's see if that we you can think take is you really it. difficult right? right and let's see if we can take you through it is there a motion that you think, think is of? really difficult to defend about neuroplasticity and the fact that people don't reach their limits i don't know why people don't do that and i don't and i believe that people should in fact try reaching for the limits of having just basically told me neuroplasticity exists and i believe that people should reach their potential and everybody can reach their potential and yeah. neuroplasticity suggests yeah, so that now normally ideally people say this is not even debate right because it's fact you know neuroplasticity exists mm-hmm. and you know growth mindset exists and so anybody can become anything yeah if i'm on the other side i'll say yeah of course these two these things exist but let's take reality right reality is about social conditioning that means where you're born is important right birth lottery that means if i was born in a rich family i would have access to more resources and more opportunity and hence i will get there something and hence i will reach my potential more as opposed to somebody who's born like in a poor family with 10 brothers or sisters where they're competing for resources and don't have an opportunity to even access these kind of things so there itself even though there is a fact biological fact that you will get better at whatever you do and you can reach your potential i'm telling you there are other factors involved which will stop you from reaching your potential those factors are birth lottery those factors are the fact that your parents might be certain kind the place you grow up in which all encompasses birth lottery basically and also maybe your ge- genetic predisposition or the fact that societal norms establish certain things for example if you're a woman your ability or your potential uh, to reach your potential is harder because society doesn't let you reach it right so you notice that even though you told me something that is factual like pretty much out there that anybody can reach their potential because science proves it i had arguments saying that this might exist but still there are 10 other reasons why people don't and can't reach their potential even if they want to for example a guy born in harlem um surrounded by carjackers and and white people who are shooting them randomly and putting them into jail for uh, not good enough reasons is not going to reach his potential simply because of the fact that the way he's born and where he's born right so that gives you an example of how you can look at ideas and map it down and yeah. then you yeah logically so, so of yeah. course you know you need to see the way he did it as well right? exactly. there are so many concepts so he started off with birth lottery So a kid who is given this debate might approach that but might not come to the words birth lottery. So so an experienced debater knows certain concepts like mm-hmm. would say birth lottery would say slippery slope would say uh, this fallacy that fallacy these are the buttons that I'm going to use. So they it's it's a little faster that's what he was talking about mental models right. So again like it's practice so you have certain uh, uh certain arsenal that you have with you you have a you you know how to build a case you know how uh, an argument is built you know what goes into an argument you know how to make a convincing argument and on top of that if you're a good public speaker you know what kind of rhetoric to use to make your uh, audience laugh or you if you have adjudicators you know how to get them to be a little emotionally riled up as well you know all of these things and you use them despite the fact that you don't believe it yourself you don't believe the conclusion yourself now you believe the arguments that you make are good arguments but you don't believe the conclusion right which is what even siddhant was saying i know as a scientific fact 
that neuroplasticity exists, that everyone can hit their potential. But then you bring in the birth lottery argument. Within the birth lottery, you have all of these different aspects. You have psychology, you have social side, like your so behavior, you have access to education, which is again knowledge is symmetry. You have all of these different things, right? Because a kid who doesn't know that neuroplasticity exists cannot have a growth mindset because they don't know that they have the ability to grow, or rather they have a lesser likelihood to do it, likeliness to have a growth mindset, right? And again, genetic predisposition and all of these different concepts are at the end of the day practice debate. So the, the short answer is, it's a method, right? It's a process. Everything is a process. It's not the end. Like regardless of what topic you give me, if I go about the process right, I will get answers. Like imagine a scientific method. There is a scientific method to get getting particular answers. There, then you do experiments. You have a hypothesis. You have another hypothesis, and then you disprove it, and all of that. Similarly, in debate, you have a process. Yeah, there's like, a. It, it looks like people are coming over there and speaking what they believe, and and they and they're absolutely nailing it. But it's not entirely that. Of course, uh, the, if you're passionate about the debate, that's going to come across, and yeah. that might push, like you know, give you a little edge. But that's not what a debate is about at the end of the day. And Smoor always answers my question on random topics as well. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, don't they? Random topics also helps to read a lot, right? So if you read a lot like this is why we said speak better, think better, no more. If yeah. you've read a lot, then regardless of how random a topic is, I will be able to make some connection or the other. And, and after that, if yeah. I can speak well, okay. most people will just listen to anything okay. if you're saying it well. Like that's what one of the things we do in our classes is we have a, something called the gibberish speech, mm. which is basically I will say blah, 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 mm. blah, blah, blah. But I will say it in a certain intonation, with certain body language, the way I move on stage. And so regardless of what I'm saying, like I'm not saying anything, but you're still listening to me. Because I could say blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But once you start speaking, and once you start going, it gets much easier, right? Hmm. What's the key to that? Do you just start speaking? Like you said, yeah, exactly. That's it. So, uh, I mean, there are tricks, right? So there's again, uh, the entire subject of public speaking and communication has very uh, distinct evolutionary biology links right and and anthropological links like why do we behave certain ways why do you have a why does your brain shut down why do you feel nervous around people why do you feel threatened all of this is evolutionary biology that is dated for like i'm reading sapiens right now so i can actually say the number right it's about 2.5 million years ago so that's that's all that that's built like the first human being and you there's zero difference in how you were made like your software is exactly the same. They were dealing with lions. Right now you're dealing with public speaking. Is public speaking and the lion the same amount of danger? Absolutely not. Do we perceive it to be the same danger? Absolutely yes. Right? And that's the problem. So when you get in front of people, you automatically feel uh, judged. You automatically feel uh, fragile because their, their judgment means something. Because it's a social situation. That's why you categorize people into three things. You categorize them into friend, foe and non-person. Right, non-person is the person you don't care about. The person on the road. And that's history taught us, right? Evolution yeah. taught us. Yeah. yeah, and so the idea about opening up is if you can practice, um, even apart from practicing body language and what kind of body language makes you confident. Because if you watch Amy Cuddy, I, I so definitely suggest every listener to go check out Amy Cuddy's uh, uh, TED Talk on. Yeah, and, uh, Sir <laughs> and Sir Ken Robinson. And Sir Ken Robinson, but not the best. But that's but, on a different. Yeah, subject. that's on a different <laughs> subject. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know that once I do something which I'm scared of, it's 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 that moment, right? 
once okay. I break that moment, right. so I'll break it down to you scientifically, right? So this is basically what you guys talked about. Yeah. The situation where you put where you feel threatened. Okay. Yeah. So that comes down to your amygdala, which is this almond-shaped uh, little bean in like your limbic system, which is in charge of all your emotions, including fear. And it also has the evolutionary trait of like this is one of the reasons human beings survived and became the dominant species is the fact that you can feel fear. And so, if you feel fear, you have a survival instinct, right? That means when you see a lion and you get really scared, then you run faster than you've ever run before because it's important for you to be able to do that. But you also go into flight or flight, fight or flight. That means you oh, switch geez. off. Yeah, you switch off yeah. and you only make binary decisions. Either I'm going to fight or I'm going to run. You can't do complex mathematics. You can't even do simple mathematics, actually. Yeah. Like if I put you under the, under the gun, like I put 10 pretty ladies in front of you and for some reason ask you mathematics questions, like simple ones, you would feel... a like a lot of pressure and you might mess up yeah. because of the simple fact that we were watching, right? Yeah. So because of that amygdala and the survival instinct, you feel this fear and which is why you switch off. Now, every time you do something that felt bad, right? For instance, if you went on stage and you did a, made a bad speech and everybody laughed at you or you played the guitar and it sounded like shit, like you were killing a donkey or something and you did X number of things where you embarrassed yourself, right? Your amygdala, the next time you do it, will scream. It rewards you. Mind rewards you. Yes, punishment all with Exactly. It'll say, last time, that was bad. So, survival instinct kicks in and you says, don't do that again, Siddharth. Don't do that again. Yeah. Don't do that, Vikram. Because yeah. last time, it didn't go away for us. Yeah. If you can get past that. Yeah. Now, there are ways and tricks to get past that also. If you get past that and you get the past that more and more, then your body realizes that's not a danger. Yeah. And that's when you become normal. Having the sense that you're aware of it is what... Yes, is the first step. It's the first step, the first exactly. Step. Yeah. yeah, and then once you have awareness, and you do it over and over again, you'll realize this is not something to be worried about. Yeah. Like for example, people who, like you said, the people who have never spoken to a girl ever before, are going to be really tense. But if somebody who's done it all the time is never tense, because you're like, there's nothing to be tense about here. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's getting over that instinct of survival and instinct of of going into amygdala hijack and then doing it a little more and more so that you come to a point where you're now aware and so you can actually do things that are making you better at it for instance i'll just throw fifa at you or anything any of these listeners any game right the first time you play fifa what do you think you're button smashing right because you are just freaking out and like oh right and so you're not in control but after a point if you've gotten better and you get over that crazy button smashing you're like oh i can do this oh i can do that and that's the same thing with public speaking same thing with talking to a girl same thing doing like playing the guitar so that's pretty much it and, and it's it's a, it's quite interesting because i had come across this particular TED talk that talks about procrastination all right and, and in that they talk about how procrastination is is basically habituated of, of you putting something away, right? And there's this point where you think that you have to do something and your brain starts putting up a little bit of, a, of, a phys, of, of pain and your brain can't tell the difference between this physical, actual me actually inducing pain to you physically versus what it induces within itself. So there is actual pain that your brain feels. And now at this particular little bit of pain, it, it gives you the first time you procrastinate. So you have two choices, okay? And one is to say, okay, despite the pain, I'm going to do it. And it's only a little bit of pain. Or you can avoid it entirely and you say, I'm not going to do it. And that's procrastination. Where now you, and now you build a habit of this because everything is habits, right? Now, every time you have something to do, you're going to build up a little bit of pain. You're going to build a little bit of pain and now your habit is to turn that pain away, right? Now, take the same thing and do it with public speaking as well. Imagine the first time you're given an opportunity to speak, all right? 
if at that point of time your brain is going to put in a little bit of pain all right and if or, you can or or quite a bit of pain or quite a bit of pain <laughs> all right because you're you're thinking about all of these things that might happen to you and at that point of time you make a decision all right that i'm either going to overcome that pain and i'm going to do what needs to be done and then whatever happens happens or i'm going to turn away and keep that aside for later all right and that's that's and each time you make that decision you're getting better at making that particular decision that's again neuroplasticity each time you make that decision to shy away from talking you you're are, you're getting worse at talking you're strengthening the neural pathways of shying away like the same way he said it's a habit right even habits why do you think habits make a person because neuroplasticity if you do something over and over again including shying away or getting nervous in front of somebody then it's a habit to get in front of nervous in front of somebody yeah. and so if you've never gotten over it then you'll just continue being in that habit loop and you'll never exit it not not this one habit that you guys would say that would that has helped you become a good speaker or great speaker just name one habit the the best and the most important habit is visualization okay so the one thing that your brain can do is it can imagine and not many animals actually i don't think any other animal no, can imagine that. right yeah. and imagine meaning that you can close your eyes and you can put yourself in a position or a situation which is not real but it feels very real that means that's why you can imagine being in front of, uh, in front of an audience and still feel scared because even though it's an imagination right so the same way if you imagine every time so for example if i'm giving a speech tomorrow throughout the night and through the day and the previous days i will keep picturing visualizing what exactly happens at that speech that means i come in this is how i look this is what i'll be wearing this is how i'm going to look this is the how i'm going to start this is how my hands are going to move or oh, i can see that person laugh i'm going to walk this way and the more i visualize it my brain is basically practicing it right because there's science behind this so there's an experiment where they conducted where they like hooked a athlete up to um, a bunch of sensors and they asked him to imagine um ski right so the athlete who actually skied and the actually athlete who imagined skiing both in both cases the same neurons were firing yeah. right so that means even when you imagine you're practicing that's fantastic that yeah. means you can if, if you guys have watched rush listeners if you've watched rush um, there's a scene in which he will be lying down james hunt um will be lying down closing his eyes and yeah. he'll be driving right that's like, an example exactly. of practice through yeah. imagination yeah. so if you practice through imagination and visualization yeah. when you get to game day in your head you have succeeded 100 times yeah. already yeah. and so when you get that your chance of succeeding is so much higher because i have done this 100 times in my head before yeah. i'm going to do it again and it applies exactly. to any skill like you said like dancers visualize public speakers <laughs> visualize athletes visualize it's actually one of the biggest things you teach visualization yeah. is so key because it's such a human thing and yeah. you can actually help yourself do so many things exactly. through visualization um what i'd say is uh visualization yes actually there's there's a very important one multiple different ways you can apply it right so what he's talking about is visualizing this the speech making itself yeah. how your speech is going to go and that's super powerful now imagine up now that's there's another way you can apply it i don't know if you've heard about this but there's the concept of a mind palace that apparently lets uh, you know people have a lot of memories or mm-hmm. or lets them store a lot of memories mm-hmm. and it's where and that kind of what you do is you visualize your speech itself mm-hmm. so never write the speech in the sense that you don't write word for word every uh, thing that you want to say uh, in fact i remember in my earlier the time earlier when i joined wars and i used to make speeches i used to try and make like phrases and bits that i wanted to say and that doesn't work at all because now you have put the burden on your brain to remember each and every word 
and the burden of remembering each and every word is much higher than burden of just remembering the key points that you want to touch and you take that burden and each key point you build or you visualize what that is right you visualize the place that you're talking about or the person you're talking about or the video that you saw and you visualize that right this is again visualization this is still what siddhant is talking about and but it's just applying it instead of on the speech you apply it to the to the to the context of what you're speaking about when you get on stage you you will kind of get into that place again right you're visualizing what it is that you want to cover but if you ask me what is a habit that i think will let public speakers get better and not just public speaking i think this again is something you can use anywhere is the fact that you need to once you're done with the speech you need to analyze it right this is this goes back to my to my to the idea that we talked about as deliberate practice in the sense that of course you're going to be bad at something the first time you do it but then it's uh, it's it's up to you to then you know once you're done with it once you have free time you sit down and you think about how it went you think about uh, why it was the what what were the high points what were the low points why the low points were low and how you can work on it better and now you apply visualization on the low points again how you can make it better and you combine your your ability to or you combine the habit of thinking back to the speeches you made yeah and you will keep getting better yeah perfect feedback loop exactly because uh, but it's also important to understand that you need to know the skill before you start making feedback because again it becomes deliberate for instance like if i watch a speech of mine there are few speeches out there and i hate them and i can't <laughs> watch them and i've watched them twice and i can't watch them again because i know how much is going wrong but that's because i'm a trained eye and i know what i was doing there other people might not even notice it but i know there was a point where my voice was too too high and my body language was sometimes too loud or it was too low and i could have done something different right so it's that like he said the ability to look at your work and say okay what went wrong there and how can i get better at it that's why athletes watch their game videos over and over again like musicians listen to their notes over and over again because they're like how can i get better and it's through like he said uh, a very good feedback hey guys this is vikram again i hope you enjoyed this show a couple of other things before you take off number 1 For those who want to know more about the tools and tactics of our episode, you could follow us at Tools and Tactics on Facebook or you can subscribe to us on our website. Number 2. If you have any suggestions or comments, you can write to us on our Facebook page. Lastly, thank you for listening to our show. I hope you tune in the next time. Enjoy. Enjoy.